Hey everyone, this is Brian. Hope you're enjoying your summer. Uh, as I'm recording this, there was a nice summer evening storm rolling in and I uh, love it when the humidity drops and now the sun is coming out. Uh, there's definitely probably some rainbows out there and uh, the nice uh, the peppers needed some water and they got some. So we had, uh, we're growing some scotch bonnet, uh, ghost peppers, some habanero. Uh, so all is good, uh, and I am excited to share this conversation. Our guest today is Jeff Barker from Sabarak in Brisbane, Australia, and you're going to get excited thinking about fermented foods, specifically fermented hot sauces. Uh, Jeff makes a really wide range of some pretty incredible hot sauces. Uh, some of them are Firemelon, which marries watermelon and Carolina Reaper, uh, as you learn kind of more of a simple recipe, but then to the more complex and uh, how Jeff thought about this was, was so cool with this Japanese miso style sauce. Um, so you're gonna get into uh, his thoughts around creating new hot sauces and also sharing a lot of information about fermentation, uh, some different approaches to making fermented hot sauce, how to avoid some common mistakes, and definitely some funny stories along the way as well. So we have the song Hangman Song by Dirty Harry and the Hangman taking us into the episode. Uh, their guitarist, Josh Avalins, uh, also an Australian hot sauce maker with his brand, Little Becky's Hot Sauce. The whole song will be played at the end of the episode, so let's go. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm joining you. Jeff, thank, thank you for, for being here, waking up so early. I, I think this is probably the earliest somebody's done a podcast, but that, uh, that's some of the sacrifices you have to do when we're, we're 14 hours away. Yeah, well, well, that's it. Like, my alarm normally goes off at 4.30 of a morning time regardless, so it was just nuts. setting it a half hour earlier. But then again, it's what is it at the moment? It's, it's eight degrees Celsius, so it's about 48 Fahrenheit. Um, but it feels like it's four degrees Celsius and, um, and I don't function too well below about 14 degrees Celsius. So, um, I'm, I'm relatively well rugged up at the moment with the heater running in the background just to, just to make it feel like it's, it's a semblance of, um, of normalcy for me. <laughs> there you go. What, what are you having? Some, some tea there or espresso? Oh, um, espresso. There you go. Uh, yeah. I'm having a coffee there with you, except it's, it's 3 PM. Um, but I guess for, for, for listeners, uh, mind sharing where, where you are? So I'm based in Brisbane, Australia. Um, I make uh, a range of fermented hot sauces, um, which is a little bit different, a little bit from, from your atypical and, and your normal hot sauces that, that you find on, your, on, your, um, on, on the shelves of most places. Um, we're currently in the throes of winter here. Mind you, winter in Brisbane doesn't get too brutal at all um there's no such thing as snow um there's a cold wind from time to time and it's generally pleasant all year round unless throws of summer is another matter entirely but winter's relatively pleasant yeah yeah well that's good and and uh yeah I, it's man this has been a crazy year i i was kind of reflecting just on the australian fires and that feels like 
years yep. ago now, but that was how we started the, the year off was, yep. um, that must've been pretty surreal and, and scary for. Yeah. Look, the, the fires started around, um, I think they started around July, August last year. And I was traveling to Sydney for a hot sauce festival in, in September and, Brisbane and Sydney is a, oh, it's about a thousand kilometers. So what's that? A bit over 600 miles away. I, I did the road trip down. I packed up the back of the car with all the hot sauce and the merchandising material and, and drove down. And it was just surreal where you, you drive for three to 400 kilometers. So, uh, you know, 160 odd plus miles and you'd just be driving through smoke haze. There was, there was no visible fire uh, within eye yeah. shot, but it was just smoke everywhere. It was, and that was that was just the start of it. And they burnt from late August, early September, all the way through to Christmas and the New Year. Yeah. Then that got under control, and then the the New World Order kind of came into play shortly thereafter. So the last twelve months have been definitely unique. Yeah. Um, and look, bushfires in Australia aren't a aren't an uncommon thing. It's you know every couple of years there's something happening. But it was just the the length and breadth of these bushfires. At the moment, one was under control. There was another one. There was another one, and they were, they were all epic. Every single one that that started up. Um, at one stage, the air quality in Sydney was worse worse than that of Beijing. That's how bad the wow. the, yeah. the, yeah, the smoke and smog was. So, yeah, it was um, it was a def definitely a very interesting end to the 2019 year and, and the welcome to the 2020 year. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'd imagine that uh, kind of affect, affected uh, the, the operations a, a little bit, but how long have you been making uh, hot sauces and, and actually, yeah. Like, uh, cause I'm curious about like, there's always a, a funny story or a unique story, how, how you originally get to the first batch. Yeah. There's always an origin story. So I was at a, um, I was at a, funnily enough, an American barbecue restaurant in um in melbourne oh this would be back in 2015 more than likely and they had their own little so this beautiful feed of, of just a few pieces of brisket there was some mac and cheese a few other bits and bobs and i was there with my two boys and they had their own house-made hot sauces and it was, and the flavors that they came out with were just different it wasn't what you'd atypically um expect and i've kind of come home from from that trip it's gone huh you know, I like spicy food. Um, I wonder what I can do with this. And so I just started experimenting at home. Um, and from experimenting at home for just my own personal use, they, they then moved into little 50 mil and, and 90 mil bottles. And a friend of mine's a, um, a graphic designer. So she said, oh, I'll, I'll just try to get some labels for you. And so, you know, I labeled up just some, some little bottles and passed them out to, to friends and family. And the feedback we got was, oh, you, you, you've got to do something with this one. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. <laughs> um, but then, you know, I, I was in contracting to someone and I'd spare time and somehow I've, I engaged with the business where I could hire the kitchen space for a few hours a week, um, which made my wife exceedingly happy because despite the fact that I, I love um, hot sauces and chilli and everything spicy, she doesn't do much more than a bell pepper when it comes to <laughs> spice ranges. So she used to come home from, she used to come home from work and I'd finish making a batch of hot sauce and she just, she'd start cursing. She'd walk to the <laughs> and go, you, you've been playing with chilies again, haven't you? It's like, yes, I've been playing with chilies. Um, so chilies again. When, 
when I moved it out of home and into this commercial environment, she um she thought it was the best thing ever. Um, she still doesn't eat hot sauce, and there's a few funny stories around that, um, which I might tell later. But th that's kind of how it started. And and for me, my my flagship sauce is this ferment watermelon hot sauce, um, and that's just simply because you know watermelon's not meant to be hot, is it? It's you know it's it's a right. cool, refreshing kind of yeah, oh yeah. Um, fruit so pairing that with with something spicy you get a, a really unique fresh flavor profile to a to a hot sauce with a nice little tail end kick to it which is um which is pretty cool i'm just going to make another coffee brine so yeah 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 go ahead. so when you got back from that that restaurant did you have yep. kind of an idea of what you wanted to make or a sauce that you were kind of thinking of like i'm always curious about how you kind of approach even that that first batch and again come uh, watermelons for us we as a family it's a fruit that we when, when it's in season and look realistically with the with the modern world a fruit is always in season it's just whether or not you want to buy it from a, from your local producer or if you don't mind the um the, the miles it travels we've always enjoyed watermelons. So it was just a matter of, can I, can I make a watermelon spicy? Um, and, and that's where, where the first source came from. And, and I guess um, everyone from there, it's what flavor profiles do I like? Um, what do, what flavors do I work together? What flavors may work together? What flavors don't work together, but if you treat them well, maybe they can work together. And so, Every batch is just a bit of experimentation, and and I guess what I love a lot about the um, the hot sauce and the chili community is I've got you know all these I know all these great people nowadays within the community, and I'll just reach out to them saying, hey, look, I've got this idea. What do you reckon? Yeah. yeah well, have you thought about this, or have you, have you thought about that? Have you thought about finishing the sauce with with this flavour to to bump up that? Um, I've got a, one of my very first stockers is a, is a local cafe and I'm, and I'm good friends with the head chef there. And I'm, I'm playing, I'm currently playing around with my own um, Sriracha style sauce. And I'm going, mate, and by accident, all of the sauces are vegan friendly and gluten free. There's, there's no design behind that, but it's, it's just how it organically happened. And, yeah. I'm, and I've with that, I've kept with that um, throughout the, the production process because it's I, I think it's important to to have a standpoint when, when it comes to those things um and i said look i want to finish it off and i've done all my research and a lot of and, and there's a lot of talk about fish sauce being used at the end mm. and just as that you know under underpinning umami kind of flavor that comes through but it's not an actual flavor within the sauce and he goes what about shiitakes and so powdered shiitake goes into the back end of the sauce just to give that underlying hint of, of a little bit wow. of something without actually being a prominent flavor within the sauce yeah so um and, and look I, I love creating on, on the cook at home my wife is an exceedingly talented cook however she finds it a chore and it's painful and laborious for her so i'm always in the kitchen playing around with food so i guess it's just a, really it's an extension of that what yeah what works, it is doesn't work yeah. and yeah and um how can I make it work and taste as good as possible? So and that's, that, I think that's, that's, really the, that's the cool thing about a, just a super flavorful hot sauce or a meal. Mm. Um, uh, and I remember the first podcast I ever did was with crazy bastard sauce in Berlin. And he yep. said, it's making hot sauce is a lot like making soup. Um, and yep. it just like a, a lot of ingredients, flavor, it comes all yep. together. 
Um, but th there are those ingredients where you would never be able to point out like, Oh, I, I yes. get some shiitake or fish oil or fish sauce yeah. in this, but uh, it, it definitely adds to it and can highlight to, to, to other um, flavors. And and look, and the fun part is like I make some exceedingly complex sauces. Like I make this um, hot sauce called Moroccan Fatali Pear. So it's it's Fatali peppers, it's grilled capsicums, it's roasted and fresh pears. There's Moroccan spices all, all the way through it. There's there's fresh lemon, which is buried in the bottom of the ferment. So that way you get this beautiful, fresh acidity through the sauce as well as the ferment fun. And there's all these layers and, com and complexities to it where um, the, the chili bite, you, you get a bite at the front of palate before the flavours of the sauce kind of push back, then a yeah. secondary bite at the, at the back of palate. So it's an exceedingly complex sauce. And um, but then you look at the, the watermelon hot sauce and it's a four-ingredient sauce. And... And just lets the inherent flavors of, of the ingredients shine and, and really be the stars. So it, it's kind of cool where, you, and it's like um, you can have an awesome dinner, which is just steak, potatoes, and beans, which, funnily yeah. enough, is exactly what I had last night. And there's virtually <laughs> nothing to it. And it was phenomenal. Or you can go to the, the, the nth degree and it can be all these complex flavors, and it's just as enjoyable, just in a different way. So yeah. there's also that part of it. How, how can I make a, how can anybody really make a really simplistic sauce? shine and how to make a complex sauce not be confusing um do, do you think fermentation ha helps with that yeah 100 percent. yeah um now where my journey with fermentation started was um i've got a mate that's in the low and slow barbecue scene and he's a lover of hot sauce so when i was making all these samples at home years ago i used to drop them off little little samples of, of what i was doing and one time he, he tried the sauce he goes Jeff, is that is that fermented? I've gone, no, no, it's not. And I've gone left the conversation there, and I've gone home and opened up good old Doctor Google, as everybody <laughs> does um, when you've got a question to ask and you don't know where to start. And and that's how my journey down the rabbit hole hole there started. Um, what I find with fermentation is it, it really draws out the inherent flavors and colors of of the ingredients that you're using. So, um, like my watermelon hot sauce, which is a base of fermented cane peppers. The colour that comes out of it is just—it's insane. Like yeah. you, you, put, you pour that, and it's just bright red. It—it's glowing, um, and you can get a really good complexity of flavours um, out of the out of the peppers simply through the fermentation process. Um, I'll make a buffalo style sauce out of cane peppers as well for a restaurant, a local restaurant, and it really—it's fermented cane peppers, uh, white wine vinegar, and salt. That's all it is. And it's just stupidly tasty because the fermentation process just has nuances to it, which I can't get through through just making a, a vinegar-based sauce. Um, well, I can't. I'm, I'm sure there's somebody out there that, that may be able to do it, but I, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have that skill level when it comes to a cook sauce. Um, but, yeah, the fermentation process really does draw out the natural inherent flavours and colours, and it's just... and and. Because all of my stuff is is wild fermentation, I don't inoculate with with any specific strains of lactobacillus or or yeast. Um, every batch is is unique to itself yeah. with its flavor profile. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I I'm excited for this conversation because I, I feel like I there's so much to learn from you about mm. the kind of the uh, process of fermentation and just uh, I think the the best thing with uh, kind of combining both hot sauce and business is that you can uh, 
there's no mistakes. There's kind of uh, th- things that you, well, there, there are mistakes, but you learn from them. And, and yeah. I think it's, it's, um, that's what I started with my, uh, first ferment, uh, probably, uh, two years ago. So I did a, a kind of a brine pickling, uh, yeah. ferment and people were like, Oh, what hot sauce do you use on oysters? And I couldn't, I couldn't tell them that, either of the other two hot sauces would, would be a best fit because I, I wanted something that kind of had a nice tang to it yep. um, was kind of more of a vinegar base. And so I kind of yep. was thinking about like, if I'm looking at cayenne peppers and some other kind of red peppers that um, have a lot of flavor to them and moderate heat, kind of what are some other ingredients that pair with that? So um, I, I kind of ultimately, I, I, I've done about 12 uh, different ferments before I kind of landed on what I was really happy with, yep. with, with my latest uh, Mill City red sauce. But um, there's a couple ways to, to ferment. Do you mind yeah. kind of sharing a little bit more about? Yeah, um, yeah of course. Yeah. Um, so when I started with fermentation, I started with um, five liter German crocs. So the, 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 the crocs are used for sauerkraut. Um, and I started with with a brine ferment. So with brine fermentation, it's generally a, a rough chop of of your vegetal materials. You put it into your fermentation vessel, and you you weigh it down with either the split um, ceramic weights, uh, a, a glass ball. There's there's people that um, that do their own homemade stuff, and they'll use just your standard Ziploc bag filled yep. up with yep. with brine to, to keep and it. And then you're kind of and the fill, idea with the, filling it with uh, yep. kind of a salt water solution. Yeah, salt water, exactly. Brine of, of yeah, brine. Yep. And so once you weigh it in all your ingredients, you cover it with your with your salt water. Um, and that's as simple as you measure out your water, and then you decide on your percentage of salinity. Now with a with a brine ferment, you can have a, a lower percentage of, of salt in that and without without significantly increasing your risk of, of nasties taking over. So people go as low as two percent for their for their brine um, fermentations. I I recommend between three to three and a half percent is a nice sweet spot because part of the part of the appeal to me for a fermented hot sauce is that little bit of, of saltiness that, that comes through with the flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it also means that you can have an undersalted meal, add your sauce to it, and it then balances out perfectly at, at the end. Um, so three and a half percent, and is my well three to three and a half percent is my preferred ratio for salinity. So um, to to really make it simple, for every liter of water, it's three to three and a half. Um, sorry, thirty to thirty-five grams of of salt. Simple as that. Mix it together, pour it over. And then lock it down. Now, with with a with German Crocs, it's as simple as you put the lid on and you fill up your water well, which will then um, create your your airlock. And mm-hmm. as the fermentation process starts, it creates gas, pushes the air out of the fermentation vessel. And with the with the airlocks, it means that air can't come back in. So you've created what's called an anaerobic environment, an oxygen-free environment in your vessel. Um, where and and the point of this is this is where lactobacillus will thrive and they will eat away at any potential nasties that are in in your in your fermentation. It will naturally acidify your ferment, um, and it will create all these wonderful probiotics if you wish to keep your sauce raw at the end of the, of mm-hmm. the process. Um, so that's your that's your brine fermentation. So you're submerging all your vegetables, all your material underwater, and you just let it ride. Um, the other 
um, widely accepted way of fermentation is, is the mash method. And this is the one, this is where I've moved my business to as of, I have to be close to 12 months ago. I've, I moved away from, from the brine ferment to a, to a mash ferment. And for most fermenters, that it's a big step moving from the, the relative safety of, of a brine ferment to right. mash. So with, with the mash ferment, it is literally you mash down your, your material to a very fine, well, to a mash. It, it's um, just really fine, as fine as you can possibly make it really. And I use, nowadays, I just use a big immersion blender. I put everything in, into, a, into the ferment vessel and I mash it down kilo upon kilo until it gets to the consistency that I want. Um, now, there's two ways you can go about your mash fermentation. One is you mix the salt through the mash. Um, and because you've got this large surface area, which is initially exposed to, to oxygen until um, the, the lacto takes over and creates the anaerobic environment, um, a higher percentage of salt is recommended. So when okay. I'm mixing salt through a mash ferment, I'll go up to 5% salt. So, and is that 5% for the weight? 5% to the, weight. Yeah. yeah 5% to weight. Okay. So for, for every one kilogram, sorry, I'm, I'm speaking in metric because it converts so yeah, much. Easier yeah. Yeah. Uh, state kilograms. He, cool. I don't know why awesome. the Americans like went to uh, uh, um, Fahrenheit and yards. Fahrenheit. We're, hey, we're look, not going to get but, into that. We're not going to get into look, that, though. When I barbecue, when I barbecue, I barbecue on Fahrenheit because it's the 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 nuances and degrees is so much easier. Oh, true. Than, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. instead of one hundred thirty six point seven degrees Celsius, you know, <laughs> two hundred fifty degrees Fahrenheit, so much easier. Fair um, enough. Okay. Yeah. So five um, percent to to weight of of vegetable material. So for every kilogram of of veggies that that you're using, it's fifty grams of salt. And you just mix that through your mash, and again. And at the end, you just lock it down, air lock on, and just leave it. Um, where I've moved to from there is I now salt cap. So, <clears throat> and this again was was the next almost leap of faith because there, there's not a, there's not a great deal of information out there that I've been able to find anyway on on salt cap fermentation. There's anecdotal about our good friends at Tabasco. Um, mm -hmm. Right, because I've seen that video where they kind of put the salt at the top. They would they ferment in the wooden barrels and put a yeah. big layer, yeah, on the top. But. So it, you can, I'm pretty sure it's on their website that they talk about how they they harvest the peppers on their farm and they they like they mash it down, they lightly salt and they they transfer it to to where the actual fermentation takes place and they put it into their barrels. <clears throat> excuse me, salt cap and then they leave it for up to three years to do the fermentation process. And that's about the only information I could find on salt cap. And even that's just a little bit vague. They, they, they don't give away too many secrets. And you know what? More power to them. They're, they're, being the, they're the fathers, I guess, of yeah. most hot sauce. So, um, so where I'm at nowadays is I'll mash down uh, whatever goes into my, into my sauce. And then I'll, I measure 4% salt to weight of that ingredient. And I just sprinkle it over the top. Simple as that. Close down the fermentation vessel, put on the airlock, and just leave it. And I pulled a. Um, so I make two versions of the Carolina Reaper hot sauce. One is classified as the mild version. It's only twenty five percent Reapers, and then there's oh, a version. Yeah, only yeah. <laughs> and there's then there's a hot version which comes out at sixty five percent Reapers. Um, so I, I put down ten kilos of Reapers with the with onion and garlic recently. Um, 4% salt cap over the top, locked down the vessel, left it for six weeks. 
um, open it up and it was just beautiful. It was, it, the, the aroma was amazing. And over the time, the, the salt slowly dissolves down into the ferment. Oh, so interesting. You, you, you can actually see it where you've got this beautiful, even layer of salt. And then over the weeks, as as the salt draws the liquid out of the chilies, it will then, the, the liquid comes up into the salt and slowly draws the salt down into the ferment. I've actually never had a prettier looking cap to my ferment than that one, which I opened up. It, it looked almost, well, it looked better then, but it, you would have been mistaken to thinking that it had only just been mashed down. It was just wow. pristine. Yeah. So that's where my ferments are at, at this stage. Um, and I've just played, I've got two little um, uh, mason jars of Padron peppers, which have gone as low as 3% salt for the salt cap, just to, they were leftovers from a from a big batch, so I thought I'll um, do a bit of a, a theory test, see what happens, experiment. Um, yeah. If it works, awesome. If it doesn't, then that just goes into the little black book of of notes of what to do and what not to do. So, so what made you want to move to the salt cap, or at least kind of experiment with it? Um, I'm always looking at more efficient ways of of getting this done. It, it is one point of it because it's it's a lot cleaner and easier to to do the mash and then just to, to cap it with salt. Yep. It, it is an easier process. Um, I'm also looking for the best possible results. So even with best practices with salting through your mash, sometimes things don't go 100%. Um, now, I'm yet to have a failure with, with mash ferments. I've never had any, any mould or any nasties grow on there but there are times where it takes a little bit longer for the fermentation to kick off and you you may get a layer of pellicle over the top which people <clears throat> um also refer to as calm yeast which is perfectly harmless and fine it just adds an extra level of funk to and it's kind of it's kind of a white kind of it's white just a little a, a uh, white film yeah it's just a white yeah. film over the top which you is can, impossible to scoop out. I've had it before. Just like, yep, you're just like, oh, yep. it's just like right here. I'll skim just, it off and it just kind yep. of, it's tough. When, when I was doing brine ferments and when you get the occasional pellicle forming, um, I just get paper towel and put it on top and it kind of absorb most of it, but you'd still get a few pieces lying around. Um, sometimes in your, in your mash ferments, it actually forms almost like a scoby over the top and you can peel it off. And there's other times where it's just this really fine white film and you're right to, to get rid of it. You're digging out an inch of, of um, hot sauce mash to to kind of um, get rid of it. I'm, I don't get too too concerned if I get a, if I if I have a bit of pellicle on on a batch because I'm making in in a vat or in a batch it's anywhere between twenty five to fifty kilos of of pure mash. And if I've got the equivalent of maybe a gram of pellicle over the top, if yeah. anybody can tell me that they've they can tell. That taste the difference between a batch which had zero pellicle and, and that much then yeah and that that's something that i find with with um people that are getting into fermentation they, they tend to overthink it yeah. and really concerned and then and the biggest mistake i find that people make is they continually open up the fermentation vessel to to check on things the best thing you can do is just leave it yeah it takes a, every fermentation like every time you do anything it, it's always it's always unique um but it, rule of thumb is it's 21 days for the lactobacillus to, to run through its, its initial cycle of fermentation. So I don't open a vessel before 21 days. After that, I'm, I'll have a boat peep every now and then just to check flavours. Because at that stage, the acidity's dropped to the point where 
nothing can go wrong. In yeah. Um, but the first 21 days, I'd just lock it away and pretend like I forgot that I made the sauce. So that way I don't think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, fermentation is so fun for a lot of different reasons. And I think for people starting off uh, kind of having a, a mason jar where you can actually see yep. it, it, it yeah. like th- that, that's helpful because like when you get to the larger vessels, sometimes yep. you got the, the plastic uh, buckets yep. um, and you can't see what's in there, what's going yeah, on. Exactly. Um, so you can have a little, uh, little active uh, art yep. project that turns into a, a food project later. But I remember I went on vacation once and I forgot to burp <laughs> my hot sauce. And I was, I was like, Oh shit, I forgot about it. <laughs> and so I thought like I was going to open my door and then it's just going to be like, hot sauce or uh everywhere yeah everything everywhere but it wasn't but i picked up the jar to burp it and then it just smashed uh, because it was just like so built up so um you mentioned that there was uh kind of a funny story when we were kicking off uh, but i'm sure there's a lot of other things but do you have at least to start off a funny fail story one of the first times i actually tested out uh, the salt cap method is, is for a sauce which is being re-released in early August. It's, it's a hot chocolate sauce. So it's a it's a cool combination of um, chocolate butcher lokias, red savina habaneros, strawberries, there's cocoa through it, there's cinnamon. Wow. Um, so you, you, it's reminiscent of, of a smooth hot chocolate and then you, know, you get the flavour and the heat of the different chilies kind of um, doing their thing afterwards. So... Um, I've got this, I'm, I'm mashing down the ferment of um, the red savinas and strawberries and I'm looking at it going, oh, headspace. It's a little bit tight. No, it'll be okay. Oh, it's a bit tight. No, no, she'll be fine. And so I've sold Captain and I've, I've locked it down and, um, and I've, I've gone into the, and I'm, I'm very fortunate that the, the commercial kitchen that I use, they've got a um, temperature control room oh, which nice. sits between 18 to 22 degrees Celsius, which on my head's around 65 to 74 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, so it's perfect for, for lacto-fermentation. So I've locked it down and I've, I've gone away. And on the and three days later, I get a text message from one of the kitchen users saying, well, I think, I think you might have to come in and have a look at this and, and just check it out because... Um, the, the fermenter kicked off and there, there's there's chocolate looking liquid in in the airlock and it's leaked out the top and going, yeah okay all right I'll, I'll pop in tomorrow and deal with this and i've come in and i am um, most of my ferments nowadays are in are in food grade plastic um, 25 liter plus plus beer fermenters and i've looked at it going oh it's a bit of pressure there and i go and like <laughs> The, the bottom, like the, the entire vessel was just rigid, oh, like yeah. what, what it normally is. And okay, oh shit, I better, better be careful here. <laughs> and so I'm just, I'm just not, not thinking very well because it's still relatively early in the morning. I'm just kind of easing the airlock and I'm releasing the gas, being very gentle. And it kind of pops on me. And the airlock goes one way and the hot sauce goes up on the roof. It <laughs> bubbles out. It was, it was like Mount Vesuvius going off. And I really wish I had a record of it because oh, it was man. hilarious. It was hilarious. <laughs> so, so I'm in this ambient temperature controlled room that smells like spicy chocolate. 
and strawberries. <laughs> would have been would have been close to about three kilos um, that, oh, that came out, and and we're talking that the airlock hole is a quarter of an inch maybe in in diameter, yeah, and it's just gone like a rocket straight up. Wow! Luckily, no, no hot sauce in the face. Um, the room smelled spicy for days. It took about an hour <laughs> to to clean up because about four square meters of just hot oh, sauce smash everywhere. Um, and and the gentleman that that manages the kitchen told me that he had some prospective tenants come through later on in the day, and they just went, "What's that smell? I see in here." And he goes, "Yeah, we had a minor accident with um with hot sauce fermentation, but it's a fun story. It's a great story, and um and it just shows that you know after years of doing this, I'm still learning, and yeah, maybe I shouldn't second guess myself when I think there's not quite enough headspace there." And I guess, I guess that's a good time to, to bring up headspace because headspace is very important with, with fermentation, either having too much or not enough. So headspace is just the gap between um, the top of your mash or, or brine and the top of your fermentation vessel. Rule of thumb when it comes to a mason jar, an inch is, is about how much you need, which is between 15 to 20% of the size of your vessel is what you want headspace between the top of your brine or, or mash and the top of your vessel. Too little headspace, such as my wonderful um, red savina, strawberry, cocoa, chocolate story, you, and you get liquid and mash and, and ferment leaking out of your vessel and potentially hitting your roof if you do silly things like I did. Um, too much headspace. And the risk you run there is that the environment doesn't become anaerobic oxygen free because there's not enough pressure to push out that oxygen. And when it's not oxygen free, you've got chances of um, seed botulism and just nasty growths coming in and, and infecting the, the top of your ferment. Yep. So if you ever have any beautiful colours on the top of your ferment, um, such as blue, greens, yellows, it's, it's a goner. It, 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 yeah. It's as simple as that. If you've got, as we talked about, pellicle, which tends to be a, a very fine white film over the top, um, that's perfectly fine. If it's fuzzy and colourful, um, something unfortunately has, has infected the ferment and it's safer to toss. Because what you find with, with the growth on, on the top of your ferment, um, when it comes to mould, it actually has, they're, they're the spores, the flowers of, of mm -hmm. the bad growth, and they've actually got roots that are going all the way down into your ferment. So, and once, once the toxins are in there, you, you can't do anything about them. There's no way of killing them off. Pasteurization doesn't work. It's the safest. And the only um, avenue you've got is to, unfortunately, tip out your beautiful um, creation and, and start afresh. Yeah, yeah. Put, put it into the, a compost to uh, yep, maybe exactly. someday grow into another pepper. And, have yeah, have exactly. a second chance. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Give it a second chance to lie somewhere else, just not in your stomach. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. So, and, uh, you kind of brought up another point with pasteurization and, and that's something yep. that, uh, there's again, kind of different avenues that you can go down. Yeah, of course. Uh, one of my favorite hot sauces that I've, uh, sampled in person was, uh, poor devil pepper company. Poor, uh, yeah. Yeah. They, they um, make some brilliant sauces. I am massive fans of, of those guys. They're, what they've done with hot sauces, especially in the fermentation realm is just remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, but they're they're different to myself. So that they keep all their sauces raw. They're they're live, um, refrigerated, um, and 
for probiotics. So whereas my sources at the at the end of the fermentation process, I put them into into a water bath to to kill off any um, any of the residual lactobacillus that may still be active. So that way they're they're um, shelf stable at ambient temperatures. Um, from from the way I look at things, is the amount of hot sauce you'll have to consume to get probiotic benefit. Now I eat a lot of hot sauce. Maybe I would get probiotic <laughs> benefit out yeah. of out of my sauce if I didn't pasteurize. Um, but I find that it's especially when it comes from a from a commercial point of view, trying to find stockers and people that are that are willing to give what for me in the grand scheme of things is still a very small business in its in its infancy. A go, it's 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 an easier it's an easier sell to to um, have it pasteurized and um, I don't fermentation it, it's it's starting up in Australia it's certainly not as big as what it is in um, in other parts of the world and part of that is because our population and size of country is just back to front massive country small population um, so the, the general I guess most people don't don't have a great understanding of, of fermentation, um, and I do it. I guess it's more for the flavour and, and the beautiful colours as well as any pr yeah. potential probiotics. And, and if I want to eat something which is full of probiotics, I'll grab a jar of sauerkraut from one of the girls that share the kitchen with me, and I'll sit down and um, have a mug on that instead. Yeah, yeah, that's what I I, I did. Uh, we uh, just finished up a, a batch. Uh, of of the mash that I, that are, actually no we did the um the kind of the, the brine uh, pickling yep. so we we I just had some of the fermented uh, beets that that I had oh, that have been yum. with there and it just like it's really great to chew on and and yep. but the colors are beautiful just because it was a very dark purple yeah. and I kind of pull up kind of a scoop of everything and you got the garlic which is a deep purple yep. the, the carrots that were yep. orange are purple and um it's uh, it's just a beautiful color. And I, I uh, also would take some of the, the leftover brine. I usually save a, a jar of it. And then I'll might, um, if I'm cooking a chicken, maybe I'll, I'll put the brine in there yeah. for a day. Yeah. So I think like, even if you're not going to be a hot sauce company, like, like, uh, uh, Sabarak or, or yep. other companies, like oh. there's a lot you can do. Oh yeah. hundred percent. With it. Yeah. Um, sorry, that's a coffee machine doing its thing again. Um, I actually, I, I supply a ferment brine to, to a local cafe um, and they go through about 25 litres a week of, of this wow. ferment brine. Yeah. And they, they throw their, their chicken in it and their cauliflower pieces. And, and one of their staple menu items is a fried chicken Benedict. So it, it's your eggs Benedict, but it's got chicken, which has been brined in my fermentation brine. And they... They considered taking it off the menu uh, about a year ago, and the backlash that they got from their customers—you <laughs> like, can't, you can't take this off. And and every season they come up, the the head chef there, Peter, he um he releases a new menu, but there's two items that don't move, and one's the fried chicken Benedict, and the other one's the potato hash. And That's cool. So it, it, it's really cool, actually. So I've got this, and this is the same chef that, that I bounce ideas off when it comes to flavor profiles, and and, and mainly it's it's the best way to finish the sauce. How, how do I take this, the, the idea of what I've got currently fermented away in a jar, and how do I get it to deliver on it in such a way that 
potentially hasn't been done before. Um, so it's good to have those those people to bounce off. But yeah, um, so he releases a, a new menu every every three months. But yeah, it's this is one dish that's just not allowed to go anywhere. And I sat, I was down there last week speaking to a supplier, and um, and we both had that for for brunch, and it's just oh, it's magic. <laughs> That's absolute magic. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, one of the great things. Like as you're, you're growing as a business, is just the collaboration, kind of locally yeah. with all different folks from breweries to restaurants yep. to uh, shops and everything. Uh, I, I know you've grown quite significantly as a, as a business. Uh, yep. How's the the past kind of year gone for you? And curious, um, kind of what, what you're planning towards uh, as you're looking towards the harvest season for next, yeah, um, next year the last year has been insane to be honest um so it was a hob two years ago as a hobby business um this time last year it was either make it into something or just you know say it, it was it was fun um i like i go back oh, what is it now it'd be 15 months ago i was still fermenting in just five liter crocs i had a handful of those i've now got way too much space consumed in the kitchen. I'm sure I'm going to get in trouble at some stage when I realise how much space I've consumed, but I've got, oh, I have to be close to 40 fermenters at any given time, just bubbling away, doing their things. And some of it's, you know, multiples of the same source um, because I've got to fill an order for one customer in a few weeks, which they want 500 bottles of just one source. So that's, that's going out shortly. Um, so the growth in the last 12 months has been from where it was 18 months ago. It's been exponential and it's just getting stronger and stronger. And I've, I've actually found it um, quite interesting in the last four months with, with COVID and, and all the craziness in yeah. the world. I've never been busier. The, the, the first three yeah. weeks was, was scary and, and, you know, the future was exceedingly uncertain. But after that, I've got the online orders of, gone through the roof because people are at home they haven't been going out to eat and they're, they're looking for things to to change their experience in the kitchen um stockers it's just amazing the, the stockers have gone through the roof and it's got to the point where i'm i'm no longer chasing people to stock my sources because i've got that many people coming at me asking for sources. wow that's a great position. yeah so yeah. It, it's it's getting it's getting to that it, it'll get to the tipping point eventually where i'll have to consider do i bring somebody on to to help um, I don't know if I want to do that just yet. You, you know, yeah. uh, it's well, like, yeah, you, your kids are, aren't quite, uh, well, maybe give it. them a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, seven and four. Oh, maybe, think, maybe a couple yeah, more. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's actual laws about that. I might get <laughs> into, a, into a bit of trouble, but it, it's like letting your kids go to school for the first time, you know, walk through the gate by themselves. It's like, Oh, do I really want to do that? Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'm, I'm sure I'll get there. Um, but the, there's, so there's a few exciting things coming up. I've got a few new sources, which are, which will be releasing depending on timings and, and how the ferments go. I've got this really cool fermented Japanese miso hot sauce, which is coming out in about a month's time. Um, I would love to learn a little bit more about that because I've, I was actually looking to, um, cook with more miso just with yeah, okay. some Asian style cooking that I yep. do. So um, miso is a, a fermented base as well. Um, the, the miso that I'm using in the sauce is a, is a fermented red flava bean. 
um, which is made by um, a wonderful lady that shares the same kitchen that, that I use. Cool. Um, so I, 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 I had this idea from, it's been bubbling away in the back of the head for about 12 months. And um, the, the beautiful thing about COVID is I've been able to, to kind of get a few of the ideas out of the, out of the vault upstairs and put out test batches. Um, and so again, just did my research. What, what, what are some traditional Japanese style flavors, which are going to pair well with miso? Um, and the very first batch I did, I just, I used whatever peppers I had on hand. So I had some yellow scorpions, some peach habaneros, smoked ghost peppers, some ahi limons, um, and there might've been a few Trinidad scorpions as well. It's what was in the freezer left over from, from um, last season. And so I've, I've put that down in a mash with, um, with, with just some really classic flavors. So you, there's some capsicum, there's carrot, there's daikon, golden shallots, the, the miso paste, ginger and garlic. And let that ferment away. And, and that just the, the aroma of this sauce was magic, just absolutely magic. And I wanted to finish it off with a, with a dry style flavor to it so that way it, it, it would really sing so it's a mixture of rice wine vinegar and champagne vinegar just to mm. thin out the sauce a little bit so that way it, it pours well and also to balance out the flavors and, and to give it that really traditional kind of kind of um flavor to it and it's a the, the this first test batch was beautiful way too fucking hot it, it, just, it, was, <laughs> wrong. it was it was just wrong um because the idea with behind the, the Japanese miso sauce is for it to be a, a nice, delicate, floral, flavoursome sauce that you can put on virtually anything. Whether yeah. you, if you want to make your, your ham sandwich with a bit of a twist, you can put it on that. And despite the fact that the flavours were amazing, it was just, it was brutal. <laughs> brutal. So it was just wrong. So I, I then took it to version two, which um, I use Thai bird's eye chilies, your little red bullets. Yeah. Still pretty hard. Perfect. Absolutely okay, nice. perfect. Yeah. The right floral flavour coming through from the chilies, the right level of bite around that, you know, four out of ten kind of heat, where you're aware that you're eating chilli, but it's not overpowering yeah. all these delicate nuances of the flavours. And the beautiful part about the miso is I mean, the miso that I use, you can eat this stuff. Like, I'm t like I get it in four-litre tubs, and you can just sit there with a the dessert spoon and eat it. Like that's, how, that's how much, that's how flavoursome it is. Oh. And it, it just kind of, it just sits under all these other beautiful melds of flavors and it just kind of sits at the back of the palate and you're not quite aware of what that is. It, it's again, one of those little Marnie kind of senses of the sauce. But then you look at the ingredients list and go, that's it. The, that, that's what I'm getting right at the tail end, just sitting under, underneath everything else. And so I've got a, I think it's about 24 odd kilos um, fermenting away at the moment and even through the airlock you can just smell this it's almost kimchi style um, flavor and aroma coming through out of the fermenter it's just oh it's magic mate it's really, <laughs> that's awesome really no, nice. I, I, yeah. you can't see jeff's eyes but uh he's he, uh, those <laughs> eyes are smiling that's the oh. sounds i mean that's the cool thing of just like the when when you feel like you're you're on to something with a yep. new new match and ingredient and um, yeah yeah, I'm I'm personally cooking more hot sauce with spices. That's something I haven't really done yep. much of before. Yep. And also thinking about some things that are, are really good for fermentation, which um, I haven't 
done before, but yep. fresh turmeric I've, I've heard yeah. is, is wonderful for that. Amazing. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It sounds like kind of, I've picking up watermelon and miso are a couple of your favorite ingredients. Do you have another yeah. one, one or two that you love putting in there um, or found really well? I, I've made two varieties of this sauce last year and there'll be a, I'll be re-releasing um, one of the varieties later this year once I've got my hands on the on the peppers again. But I'll make this sauce, which is based upon the Lynchburg Lemonade Cocktail. So Jack Daniels Cocktail, um, there's, you know, it's Jack Daniels Lemon Soda pretty much. And there's variations of the cocktail, but it's, it's quite nice. And I remember the first time I had it when we were traveling through the States in, in 2014. And the way this sauce came about was I was, um, I was out at... Um, picking up some smoking timber for for one of my barbecues, and I was chatting to the guy. I said, "Oh, yeah, I make hot sauces," and he goes, "Oh, you're that guy." And uh, yeah, we, we chatting. <laughs> he goes, "Here, um, take take a bag of this and, and just have a play around with it. Let, let me know what you think." And it was a it was a bag of Jack Daniel's Oak, and where his base is about a forty minute drive from my place, so I'm I'm driving home going, "What the hell am I going to do with Jack Daniel's Oak?" And, you know, just bopping along on the highway going, "Ah." Oh, I reckon I can ferment that. Of course I can. Of course I can. Um, and so I've, I've made um, the sauce, which in the second variety is Lynchburg's Ghost. So it's ghost peppers, it's lemon, and it's Jack Daniel's oak. Wow. So chunks of Jack Daniel's oak in the, the bottom of the ferment, a few lemons, peppers, mash, let it go. And, and, and it's interesting how just slowly over the ferment, it just draws out this subtle hint of oak into into the peppers and therefore in, into the final product um and the most recent variety i did of it i actually fermented my own lemonade which i also chucked a piece of oak into and so this the fermented peppers get um finished off with a fermented lemonade so it's a really cool wow. funky sour style sauce and when you're talking about oysters before it's a perfect sauce for it's just this inherently sour sauce with a nice bite to it, a few drops, and it just bounces out and, and elevates um, that kind of thing. So, wow. Well, yeah. I, I don't think uh, you're going to be running out of ideas anytime soon. No, <laughs> no. How many hot sauces have you kind of made uh, commercially um, now at this point? Oh, Christ. Um, I think I've released 16, maybe. Wow, nice. Yeah. Um, there's seven that are currently in the range. Seven. Yeah, the hot chocolate's coming back, so that makes eight. Um, the habanero and apple is out of stock, but that that's fermenting as we speak. Um, I'm, I'll be reworking my salsa verde in a few months. I'm moving away from um, jalapenos and the salsa verde and going more traditional with serrano peppers. So I've got a grower in North Queensland growing serrano peppers for me. Um, there's a cherry chipotle barbecue, which is almost ready to, to be released, which has replaced my... The, the previous barbecue style sauce that I did, which was just a pure chipotle mora. Um, oh, there's reworks of the, of the Reaper sauce coming out. Um, one of my suppliers says to me, I've got to do the seven deadly sins, just get my hands on seven super hot pods and just Ooh. create something stupid. Yeah. Um, and, it, and there's always a call for that. Um, and that, that's how my hotter version of, of the, of the Reaper sauce came about. Um, I've got a customer who's an American-born Mexican that's been living in Australia for close to 20 years now. And he tells me that he couldn't find a sauce hot enough until he landed on my traditional, like my, my standard reef, the 25%. And he'd go through three bottles a month. 
So he'd, he'd literally use it on everything. He came to me one day and said, Jeff, can you make that hotter? Oh. Yeah, yeah, if you want me to. I said, are you sure? He goes, yeah. Uh, he goes, I think my tolerance got to the point where I need something <laughs> more. Than, All right, cool. Um, and so I, I made it hotter. But um, as, as we've already kind of touched on, that there's a balance between how hot can I make a sauce but still make it enjoyable? Because yeah. it, it doesn't matter how hot a sauce is. So if, if it doesn't taste nice, then there's... There's zero point in in doing it, in my opinion. And so it's it's about extracting as much flavour as possible out of, out of these pods that you can. And when you and we're talking about Carolina Reapers, they're exceedingly thin-walled. They've got awesome flavour to them if you can temper that heat long enough to yeah. to get to to draw that flavour out. And I find fermentation does help with that. It, yep. in, especially when it comes to the to the hotter style um, pods, it kind of knocks and tempers that initial heat on the head a bit. So you get an opportunity to experience the inherent flavours before it, and so especially it with the Reaper, it gets up into <laughs> yeah. your skull and yeah. you know, tries to yeah. destroy your soul and, and rearrange <laughs> your, your brain waves. Um, yeah. and, I, and for yourself, like as a hot sauce um, creator, it, it's always what you're looking for. How do I, how do I draw out as much flavour as possible? Get that really awesome experience before... For a mild sauce, just give people a bit of a, a zing before it fades away. Or for the hotter sauces, that, that slow build up to the point where people go, have I made a mistake? Yeah. Did, 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 I, did I use too much? What's going to happen to me in a few hours' time? You know, um, it's, and it's fun, isn't it? it, it it's oh, a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, Jeff, this has been a, a, a wealth of knowledge and, and thank you for kind of sharing wow, your that, passion and, and excitement. That, yeah, that, that was quick. That, that, that went really quick, mate. Really quick. That was <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, but I, I, I guess uh, before you go, I think like a, a lot of people listening to this um, might be kind of into fermentation already yeah. or, or probably now uh, really excited to go into the kitchen or uh yeah something out but um do you have any uh kind of suggestions for for other resources or just even advice uh as approaching kind of early fermentations there's a few good books out there um fiery ferments is one of them um and that deals a lot with hot sauces as well which is great with, with some really really cool ideas um the bible which most fermenters hunt down is noma so that's a restaurant in, uh, I can't remember, my, might be somewhere in Scandinavia. Don't quote me on that, please. Um, but it's a restaurant and, and everything they do is, is fermented. And, and the resource, like it's a, the book's about two inches thick and it's, it's amazing. You can sit there and just read it from cover to cover. And the, and the best part about that book is that they're not assuming that they know everything. Mm. but and you can take pieces from this recipe and that recipe and just kind of um do do your own thing with it um the, those two I, I i highly recommend um i'm just having a quick look in my bookshelf to see what else i've got up there um that those two are two i definitely start with um but experiment you know the um look, there's some great groups on facebook as well um that, that you can jump into. One is Fermented Hot Sauce Society. Um, just be aware, we, like with, with all groups, when they get to a certain saturation point of members, there are there is a small percentage of, of know-it-alls and, and dickheads. Um, just, <laughs> just kind of good on past them. Another great online resource in the Facebook community is Insane in the Brine, Fermented Community. Oh, cool. It's run by like a chap by the name of Danny Burke. 
and he is he will ferment anything <laughs> literally literally he will i think one of the his coolest creations was um fermented potato chips so fries what? Um, yeah so wow. he fermented potato before he before he fried them up um wow. he just goes and the, the flavor that comes out of it is just is just insane so yeah, Noma fiery ferments for books. Online resources within the within the Facebook communities is um, fermented hot sauce society and insane in the brine. Um, but just play around with it, test. Get after it. I yeah. highly recommend airlocks as well. Mm. Airlocks are. Yep. yep. It takes a lot of guesswork out of it, and it gives you a little bit more confidence once you've locked it down and the fermentation kicks off. The the level of risk drops significantly if you're using an airlock. Yeah. Yeah, awesome, and, and uh, I think you got to get a plug in for your own site to where to yeah. find um, you on on and, <laughs> and get your sauces. I know it's it's always tough. Uh, well, it's a lot easier if you're in Australia and uh, yep. down under, yep. but um, definitely. Yeah. Um, so the website Sabrak www.sabrak that's s a b a r a c dot com. Um, we ship worldwide. Shipping rates to America are, are decent. They're, they're not great, but they're pretty decent. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and and Facebook as well. Just put Sabrak into your search bar and and you'll see what's going on there. Every couple of months we um we run promotions and giveaways and we're always happy to ship worldwide. So um, that's awesome. Follow us there and you can and you can keep across what weird and wonderful creations are coming out of the vault from time to time because I just can't stay still. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was I was gonna ask at one point. Actually, I'll ask it now. But if you yeah. have any other uh, big hobbies besides hot sauce, um, I have a feeling your your life has been filled with hot sauce in the past twelve months. But uh, yeah, yeah, it has. Else? So I I play beach volleyball with a with a group of mates every week. It it hasn't happened the last few months due to social distancing and and restrictions. But we're getting back to that um, within the fortnight, which is which is going to be awesome. Realistically. It, um, we've been playing together for about 15 years now and we peaked about 20 years ago. So it's more <laughs> about the social aspect and, um, and catching up for a beer afterwards. Um, and I, I'm recently, COVID's been actually really good to me. I'm, I've got back into running. So I'm, I'm about to head off and go for my morning walk with my puppy dog and my, and my brother around the, around the neighbourhood. And then later today, I'll, I'll head out for a 5K run along the, along the river just to clear the head and no doubt come up with different ideas for, for hot sauces. Of course. That's what, what happens on runs when you get to clear your mind. And, yeah, get <laughs> That's out it, mate. Know. Yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you so much uh, for, for coming on the, the podcast and uh, excited to see what else comes up with and awesome. um, definitely trying your sauces some, sometime soon. I, uh, yeah, yeah. It's kind of going through your much. website and just, and just also hearing, <laughs> hearing you talk through them. They, they they're, uh, sound beautiful. Well, thanks for your time, Brian. I really appreciate the opportunity to – to jump on board and um, and disturbing your, your mid afternoon nap normally uh, is it? Oh this yeah time? yeah yeah. This <laughs> yeah, is usually yeah. when I'm an hour uh, two of my <laughs> my two hour nap. So yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening and tuning in to another episode of the Craft Hot Sauce Podcast. We have some more international guests lined up, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review while you're at it. Also, in the meantime, if you're interested in checking out some other stories from hot sauce makers around the world. Visit our website, crafthotsauce.com. We've done a lot of blog posts, shared a lot of stories through profiles and podcasts. um, So you can find a lot more uh, and the sauces to go along with them on crafthotsauce.com. 
So wishing you have a, have a great day. Stay safe out there. And we'll end it with Hainman's song by Dirty Harriet and Hainman. See you later. Time.